Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of That Girl with the Curls. In fact, this is episode 50, which is super awesome, because that means I'm only halfway to 100. Huzzah! Uh, so glad you could all join me for this historic performance or recording, as it were. Uh, this episode is all about mystery men, uh, and if you don't know what mystery men is, we will explain it to you. It's uh, myself and uh, my friend Nathan, who you've heard on a couple of other podcasts. Uh, we basically just talk about mystery men for a good hour. Uh, it's probably the most time anyone has devoted to talking about mystery men. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a cult classic. We discussed that a little bit too. Um, but if uh, you need a little bit of a refresher, it's, it's about a group of blue-collar heroes who uh, try to make a name for themselves in Champion City. Uh, and that's all you really need to know for right now. I will tell you that we don't actually get to telling you what the plot is until about 20 minutes in. Uh, so, yeah, eventually you'll know what it's about and who's in it and everything. But it's entertaining nonetheless. Uh, Nathan and I always have a good time talking about things that we like. And we're always fairly critical as well. So it's not all... I mean, we mostly for the most part, love this movie. So don't worry. It's not like we're going to try and destroy your childhood or anything like that. That's clearly not possible. Um, anyway, uh, hopefully you enjoy this one and uh, stick around for the next 50 because 100 will not only be awesome, but practically amazing. All right. Uh, sit back, relax, listen to some Mr. Men. drive it's i'm i'm on the bus so oh, okay. like that always takes forever and then just trying to get from the bus the transit center to my apartment is is like a lesson in futility <laughs> it's like <laughs> it doesn't help that even when it's raining around here people somehow freak out like they've never seen rain before <laughs> it's like you're in washington state guys come on this is like 10 months out of the year Usually it's snow that does that in places. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not here in the when I'm living in Wisconsin, but when I lived in the south, oh my god, if there was any snow, it was like, oh, panic! What is this? <laughs> I imagine that's what it's like in California. Like, if there's anything that's, you know, below 55, they just freak out. <laughs> right. Well, heck, the way California's going, if it's raining, they should be the ones freaking out. I know, right? <laughs> Oh my god. I I keep waiting for someone to be like, "All right, we're bringing out the 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 rain man here. He's going <laughs> He's going to do a dance. Everybody look favorably on the gods." A friend of mine was just out there and he said like when he left, he put a quote on his Facebook of uh, a man's flesh is his own, but his water belongs to California. <laughs> Paraphrasing Dune. Oh, there we go. <laughs> 
for things. You know, I was there for Halloween um, over at Disneyland and everything, and uh, we were at this restaurant, and the waiter was being really... I mean, he was nice, but he was been a little, like, flippant. He was just like, you know, since there's a drought, we can't give you any water. I'm just kidding. You know, it's like, wow, guy, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, wow, too soon. Too soon, guy. <laughs> oh, but uh, we can finally do this. Yay! Uh... <laughs> no, I don't want bio updates. <laughs> Stupid computer still booting up in some ways. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yay! Uh, actually, this is, um, this is episode 50. This is, uh... Wow, I'm on an anniversary episode. Sort of. You're on, like, at least a milestone, so... Right. <laughs> It's like, yay! And it'll go up around Thanksgiving, so yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, man. So, did you have to, um... Did you have to rewatch it? Uh, I did. Yeah. I did. I, I actually got my daughter to watch it with me. Oh shit! Nice. Yes. Yeah. Cause she, because of her autism, she she always thinks she's going to hate anything new. Oh really? And I was just like, you, you're gonna like it. You really are. You, you, you don't think so? So I told her about the spleen because I figured that would be the, you know, the the easiest thing for an eight year old to sort of be like. I was like, he's got super farting powers. You're gonna think that's funny. <laughs> It's like I, don't, so I convinced her with the spleen, but she stayed for Mr. Furious. Of so. course, who wouldn't stay for Mr. <laughs> Furious? Like, like, I mean, and for those who we're, we're recording now, so we're just gonna get oh. into it. Um, like for those who are, are listening or didn't read the title of the episode, we were talking about Mystery Men. The, uh, um, I guess we would call it a cult classic at this point, would we? Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird because <laughs> it, it came out in like '99. <laughs> I, I remember, I saw it in the movie theater. Oh, did you? Yes, yes, I saw the previews for it, and I was like, this is a movie I have to see. There we go. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember if I saw it in the theater, if I didn't see it until it like, came out on video or something like that. But it doesn't strike me as one that I went in the theaters to, but I could be mistaken. I was a huge fan of The Tick. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and this this movie... And I know that the, the, its comic origins have nothing to do with the tech, but mm-hmm. this movie seemed to me to exist in that same universe as the tech. It's yeah, it's very like over the top. Uh, I, mean, I mean, and to put this in context, this movie came out like a year after Blade, um, right. and also <laughs> and, Yin and Yang. Yin and Yang. Well, and also that's only like four years removed from Batman and Robin. <laughs> so, we're we're like a cut we're about a year or two away from the the big boom of you know marvel and dc movies or the uh the dark and grittier quippier kind of times but uh <laughs> but yeah mystery men is exists in this like weird limbo spot uh but yeah i can totally see how someone would look at that and if they were watching the tick like the cartoon or the live action show and just going like yeah, this is totally like the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just expect Patrick Warburton to walk in and be like, uh, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> See, it wouldn't be out of place at all. Yeah. <laughs> it would It would make way more sense than some of the other planned crossovers I keep hearing about sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so what was it actually like seeing it in the theater then? Um, I absolutely loved it. I mean, we're going 20 years back now, mm. which is amazing to think of, you know, because oh I was right? 19 when this came out. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I'm getting old. Wait a minute, it's not 20. I mean, oh, God, I'm, 
wow, my brain's really messing up right you're, now. You're just adding it all. Years ago, <laughs> fourteen years. I'm not that old. Okay. Like I so, was. How old was I? I was ninety nine. Shoot, it was like sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> yeah, no, sixteen years ago. God, my, I can't math right now. I haven't eaten anything, ladies and gentlemen, in the <laughs> evening. So. Me too, and I'm hopped up on coffee. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um. So, so yeah, 16 years ago, and uh, I was 19, I saw it in the movie theater. I remember loving it, and, and, and I think we're going to get to my one problem. I'll just say my one problem with it, because I remember this very distinctly. Mm-hmm. I went out of the movie theater and told my friend, I just have one problem with it. I want your take on this, Sam. Okay. And, and I've since watched the DVD extras, and I get it, mm-hmm. you know, because they explained this. I thought that killing off Captain Amazing felt completely wrong with the rest of the movie. Everything else in the movie seemed to be, like, connected perfectly, and that one scene, everything around it even is fine, but the whole horrific way that he dies and everything else, it just seems like I I stepped into a different movie for, like, 30 seconds, and then Uh, came back out again. Yeah, (laughs) all mangled and gnarled and... Yeah, it just didn't seem to fit with the rest of it. I mean, did you feel that way at all? Um, now that you you bring it up, yeah. I I mean, I don't recall ever feeling like weird about it. But when you think about it within the context of the movie, like what they're kind of going for, it does feel very out of place. It it seems like the rescue of Captain Amazing should have been the third act of the movie. Yeah, I just feel like it would have been a little more satisfying had they actually showed him up for once. Yeah. I mean, what they've said in the DVD extras is, you know, even though, I mean, they they admitted the same thing, that it feels kind of off Mm -hmm. in the scene, you know, but they basically said they didn't want him hogging the credit at the end because then that would kind of ruin the end. But I, I feel like if they had just thought about it a little harder, they could have had him live and at the same time have them you know, get the credit and it, in some way. Yeah, I mean, even the, the assholery of, because Greg Kinnear plays an amazing asshole. Like, he's yes. just, he's so good at it. Like, and, and that's nothing against him as a person, but he's just so good at playing a dick. Um, Am I too late to cast my vote? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Was it Lance Hunter or something Lance, like that? Lance Hunt, yes. Lance Hunt, there we go. Like, he just does the the most perfect, like, I'm clearly a douchebag kind of combination of Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent at the same time. Keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah, oh man, like, just the whole scene between him and um, uh, Jeffrey Rush when he confronts, you know, quote-unquote Casanova Frankenstein, which perfect name, um, in the castle, and they're just, like, doing that whole, like, well, I knew that you knew that I knew that I know. <laughs> it's like, Oh, good. Um, but to, yeah, getting back to the horrific death uh, that he meets, which, spoilers, I guess. Just <laughs> uh, put a spoiler warning at the very front of this one. Exactly. He'll be in the bumper. Just like, hey guys, guess what? If you haven't seen Mystery Men by now, I don't know what to do with you. Right. <laughs> it's like, you should have at some point. Um, but yeah, the, the death feels really out of place. I, I get that, like, there had to have been a way that you could have saved him in the third act. And even if he took the credit, there's still that sense that the mystery men, you know, understand that they did the good thing. Like, they, uh, their, their self-esteem has been boosted. Or there's the reluctant, like, handshake. And then you get to, like, redo the, um, the ongoing uh, Lance Hunt, Captain Amazing joke, you know? 
Like, there really could have been a sense where, like, Greg Kinnear, like, he's been saved, and he, like, goes to shake the shoveler's hand, and the shoveler's looking at him like he's trying to see what Mr. Furious has been telling him, but he just doesn't see. He's like, no, I don't don't get it. (laughs) The thing where he picks up, like, the two, I don't know, they're, like, two metal, like, washers or something, and he holds them up as if they're glasses, (laughs) and tries to line it up with the face. Oh, my God. I'm just gonna ask you straight out. Do you know Lance Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> like that that could have definitely worked, like if you just brought it back around because they they set those things kinda up and then it feels like, yeah, the girlfriend getting kidnapped or the waitress sort of girlfriend getting kidnapped is just kind of like, well, we had to do something to motivate Roy going to the the, the castle, basically. I just, I, and, and everything else about the movie is brilliant. And, and the scene leading up to his death mm-hmm. is great with the talk of all the toggle flips and everything else. Oh my else. god, yeah. <laughs> How many toggle flips in Toto are part of this operation? <laughs> <laughs> was the question wrong? Uh. And then when they kill him, it's like, what do you mean we? I was standing right here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like it just it it hits all those like really good notes of of a comedy like a superhero comedy which we don't honestly have like a lot of pure superhero comedies these days uh, and so for it to to do that like that almost is kind of a bold move I I mean I guess for the movie at the time because um, nowadays you almost wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eye at it <laughs> yeah I mean if you think of movies that were done for fun intentionally not campy per se but just done humorously i mean ant-man's maybe the closest thing mm-hmm. and even that's not really an out and out comedy that's just more comedic than the general superhero fare that we've been getting yeah so. like ant-man and i think guardians of the galaxy kind of skirts that line oh, as well that's true. guardians is weird because i mean even though it is a marvel comic it Superhero, I don't know, the cosmic stuff to me still doesn't seem superhero-y, but no, I get, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's kind of a separate genre to me. But, so when yeah. they land on Earth and then save it, then do they count as <laughs> superheroes? Yes. <laughs> You're right, though. I wasn't thinking of Guardians. No, but it, I, I think it is that we're, we're so kind of, like, uh, honed into this, like, still grimdark version of things. Even with the Marvel movies, there's this movement towards a little bit darker, but there's still... I think they're still at least maintaining a good balance. Um, and I, I think even with um, with things like Daredevil and just recently with Jessica Jones, that there's been... I mean, Jessica definitely strays into the darker territory, but there's a lot of really good jokes in it, too, like um, funny moments and, and stuff. But we don't get, like, really pure superhero comedy. Yeah. No, yeah. that's... It's true, and it really is. Like, like I said, I was a fan of The Tick. Mm-hmm. You know, and the cartoon is what I was talking because at the time, the, the, the live-action one hadn't come out when, when Mystery Men came out. But, oh, it had, uh, okay. You know, I like the live-action one, too, and I, I would really like something like that or Mystery Men to come back. And, and, and Marvel is exploring various genres with superheroes, so mm-hmm. it might only be a matter of time. I know that DC's trying to get a, a comedic superhero TV series uh, going with NBC. Which is the um, exact idea I have had for years. It's the whole, like, the people who are in charge of, like, the insurance claims and, like, the, <laughs> like, all that stuff, like, the collateral damage, basically, because it's just, like, 
and I think there's there's a Marvel comic that's based basically damage that. control. Damage control. That's right. Yeah. Um, so that exact idea is like, ah, oh, damn it! I should have copyrighted that stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> patent pending. Patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> I'm afraid damage control's been around since the '80s, though. So you need a time machine too. Damn it! <laughs> All right, fine. List of priorities grows ever further. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the with the tick and everything, it's just so it's so out there. It's so its own thing. And then Mystery Men, like I said, is just in this weird limbo state because it's a comedy, but it's really in that time when, again, post post Batman and Robin, <laughs> camp campiness was not looked well upon. Yeah, uh, well, and I like I, what I like about Mystery Men is that they're the working man's heroes Mm -hmm. you know they're kind of like the because even the tick the tick sort of exists in this weird like everybody can do whatever they want superhero wise whether they have money or not and it's like you know you even see with the mystery but they've all got like stuff they've just thrown together i know i love it he's taking his kids like uh his vest Mm -hmm. that's like his catcher's vest or something like that (laughs) well just even like the blue raja uh (laughs) with the uh the print the it's like his mother's throw pillow or something like that (laughs) It so reminds me of like stuff I would see in like my great aunt's house. <laughs> like, I, I've definitely got to put a shout out for Hank Azaria. Oh my god, was yeah. a guy. I I knew who he was. Here, here's here's uh, here's one that uh, I wonder if anyone's ever heard of. He did a sitcom called Herman's Head. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where he uh, was the best friend of the main character. It was basically Inside Out, like, done as a live-action show. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and, and he was the best friend of the main character, and I loved his character, and I was really glad to see him on Mystery Men in a movie role. And uh, the Blue Raja is just so hilarious. The whole, the whole idea where he's, like, constantly, like, talking, like, well, if we could just step outside of our literal minds, you know? <laughs> because everybody's like, why is there no blue in your costume? Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> like, even when he gets his new costume, costume there's i mean there's blue in it but it's still not like the primary color <laughs> it's like dude you had one job <laughs> and it's like she's talking to the bowler and she's like dad he is neither a commie nor a fruit <laughs> uh see that's my favorite i love janine garofalo and this is yes. the bowler like she's just such an awesome she plays such an awesome like tough chick character even though she's so tiny, like I, I met her at um, Bumbershoot a couple of years ago, and she's just this tiny little thing. She's like five, I think she's like maybe five foot, like something like that. She's so small, but she is such a great like comedian, and uh, just everything with her and the bowling ball is so good. Are you telling me you put your own father's skull in that ball for bowling? <laughs> the guy at the pro shop. <laughs> so good. Well, and that's like a sick bowling ball. I mean, yes. <laughs> like how many people were going out there trying to, I mean, I don't, I don't know really what the following is on Mystery Men, but I want to see like statistics of how many people got bowling balls with skulls inside them. <laughs> like, did they even try to market that? Yeah, I, um, it, it, uh, um. Uh, at that time in my life, I uh, wanted to marry Janine Garofalo, so mm. I uh, totally get it. I can understand <laughs> that. <yeah. laughs> she she seems like the type, yeah. <laughs> I, I was madly in love with her. 
But, um, yeah, no, I, Bowler, I, I mean, just the, the great thing about this show is that all the characters are great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the only one I probably wasn't thinking was awesome was the spleen. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I know that you enticed your child with uh, fart humor, but right. he, I don't know if it's, I just don't find that as funny. Like, don't get me wrong, I love slapstick and all, I like all kinds of comedy. I just love letting people know that, but... I'm not a big fan of flatulence humor. Right. I mean, the idea of it is kind of funny. That the gypsy, because he, you know, he farted and blamed it on the gypsy woman. Yeah, no, that's a that's him. actually a very inventive origin story, really. <laughs> so the idea of it is hilarious, but then just an application is just pull my finger jokes over and over again. Yeah. And it's it old after the first time you see it. Which is funny. Then after that, it just gets really old. So, yeah. like, I mean, I was going to pose this like when you asked me about like the tone shift for that brief moment with uh, with Captain Amazing. Um, for me, like in the rewatch, uh, for me it was a little bit like it didn't feel like the movie knew what it wanted to do. Like, because you have you have characters like the spleen that are very like okay, we're, we're clearly doing one type of joke here with this guy. Like, he is not going to go anywhere beyond that. <laughs> but then you have, like, the other characters. Like, I actually adored the relationship between, like, um, Roy and, oh, God, what is the shoveler's, like, regular name? <laughs> like, I oh, oh, crap, what was his real name? Yeah, because um, the Blue Raja is Jeff. Right. Um, is it, I, I say, know he's William H. Macy, but it's <laughs> <William> <laughs> Um, oh, I want to say it's like a Doug or something, but we'll, we'll just say it's William H. Macy. Um, but so, uh, William H. Macy, like, they're, they're, like, how they operate off of each other is actually really interesting. Like, just that blue-collar mentality to them. Because um, the Blue Raja is, is still kind of, like, on the offside for me. Like, he's just like, I'm trying to be British and do all this stuff. And the other two at least have some practicality about them. <laughs> yeah, I I love the scene when Roy's coming back and he doesn't know how to, you know, because he doesn't want to apologize. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he talks about, hey, have you seen my address book? It's made of denim. It's, it's, like, it's got like a cat on it. It says hang loose. Oh <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like so painful, like trying to watch him do that. <laughs> But then, but then the shoveler is just so like in tune to who he is that he's just like, "All right, buddy, you can go back in." <laughs> like, like, and I love, I just even love his relationship with his wife. Like, I'm a shoveler. I shovel well. <laughs> like, it's, he's this poor put upon husband, you know, because she's she's like, "I'm gonna divorce you, Eddie." Oh, it's Eddie. 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 There we go. Eddie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and he, <laughs> Oh, and even the scene at the pool party where she's like, if, uh, that's the first time she threatens it, when she's like, if someone vomits in my pool, you know, like, I'm going to divorce you. And he's like, that's fair. <laughs> he's so easy going about it. Oh, it's so good. And and just even like the, and I kind of like that, the, the audition, uh, the, the superhero audition thing. Uh, just because of them dressed up, and then just this kind of almost Tim Burton esque, like pastel, <laughs> like pool party thing that's going on. I'm the Waffle Man. Oh my god! <laughs> Isn't that Dane Cook? I'm sorry, what? I think the Waffler is Dane Cook. Oh, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is. It's yeah, because there's like a laundry list of comedians that make like cameos in this movie. Um, and, like, I remember Dane Cook as the Waffler, and then 
Dana Gould is really briefly the squeegee guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, and, um, oh, what's his name? Doug Jones. The, oh, he does, like, all the body uh, stuff for, like, um, in Hellboy, he was the body actor for uh, Abe Sapien. Okay. And he's, like, the Silver Surfer body actor, all that stuff. Uh, so Doug Jones is the, the pencil guy. Oh, okay. The, the other one that I found really funny is this guy walks up, he's got the dark cloak, and they're like, ooh, who's this guy? And he's like, I am Ballerina Man! Oh my he gosh. He back the cloak, he's got a tutu on, and he's right, like dancing. Oh my. <laughs> like, oh my god, I don't need to see this. This <laughs> is, yeah, it's, it's so very a 90s comedy, too. Like, those types of jokes are like, okay. Um, and then, like, the two Wonder Women. Who, uh, yeah, and they start fighting each other. They have a they cat don't actually fight. say the name. The girl's about to say, I'm, and then the other girl walks and says, hey, you're copying me, and then they like, end up fighting each other. Yeah, it's just like barely skirting the line of copyright infringement. The costume's just different enough. Just different enough. And there's what, the PMS Avenger? That's the PMS. She only works four days a week. <laughs> or a month, I'm sorry, a month. <laughs> yeah, four days a Wow. It's no, like, no, ooh. <laughs> oh, and there's what, uh, oh, um... God, what, Eddie Izzard is in this? Uh, do you know who he is? Uh, no, I don't know who he is. Okay, sure. so Eddie Izzard is, like, probably one of my favorite uh, British comedians. Uh, he plays uh, Tony P. Oh! Yeah. Because he, uh, he's... Oh, the, 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 um, the Disco Boys. Oh, yeah, the Disco like, Boys. Because it's like, even though this is a night... Well, and one of the cool things about Champion City is, like, they the style of Champion City where mm-hmm. it's this mix of modern and old and it's international flavor and everything. Mm-hmm. And so you can have this rogues gallery of the city that is this really weird spectrum of you've got the disco boys. I know. <laughs> it's so <laughs> very like, like... 1930s gangsters. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so very kind of like the... Um, it's really... What is it? It's like the Warriors meets the old Batman show. Yeah. Like, just in having the Disco Boys, and they're all just the Afros alone. <laughs> well, and I love that they, like, take them to task for, like, not having any kind of, like, a theory. Like, guns? That's your superpower? <laughs> <laughs> like, totally, like, not thinking about the practicality of anything. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you're gonna have, you know, a, a chain, it should be a gold chain. That's just off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> And I do, I love that there's this, um, I mean, it's very in style with, like, um, in line with Ben Stiller's humor. It's just that, let's talk about it for a couple of minutes, and and really emphasize the point that we are making fun of you. <laughs> like, uh, and and it's, it's clearly something that he just loves doing, like, and I don't know, sometimes it feels like it slows things down, but other times it's just like, yeah, I actually kind of agree with him on that one. <laughs> And then there's also, um, what is it, uh, Kel Mitchell is in this as Invisible Boy. Yeah, see, that's someone that I had I had no idea that he was even in it, because I, I guess age-wise, I just skirted uh, away from uh, Keenan and Kel, but my mm-hmm. wife, who's a few years younger than me, I showed her Mystery Men uh, years ago, and she was like, it's Kel! And I'm like, oh, okay, see, to me, I, I don't even know who this guy is. Think, I think that might have been my point of entry as well, because, I mean, I'm just trying to put this as much in context as I can, but, it's, you know, again, it's like, what, 14, 16 years ago, whatever that it was <laughs> like uh but yeah no i used to watch keenan and Kel, and i think seeing him i was like 
oh, hey, it's Cal. <laughs> like, I should watch that maybe. And then I think everything else just kind of fell into place. But yeah, he, Invisible Boy is just, he's kind of an odd duck too, you know? Like he's a little, he's almost a little too mellow for the group. <laughs> Which is saying something. <laughs> but there's his whole well, like... I love his dad. He's like, Dad, I'm gonna bring three strange men into my room. And Dad just doesn't even, like, look up or anything. He's just reading the paper. <laughs> like, whatever, son. Just yeah. do what you do. <laughs> like, I mean, it is a it is a nice payoff, though, with his power, because the whole conceit is that he can only turn invisible when people aren't looking at him. Well, yeah, because the whole movie, you're thinking he's just making this up because he wants to be part of you know, the superhero scene or whatever, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a power. And then he, he finally does, and it's like you find a, a an application where it could work, because apparently a machine with sensors doesn't count for something looking at him. So. I suppose. <laughs> a, a machine isn't a real thing, Nathan. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's not living and breathing. It can't judge you. <laughs> the whole idea of a power where it's like, I can turn invisible, but only if nobody is looking at me, including myself. It's just like, that's funny. It, and I think, and it just really fits in with the whole, like, we're trying to twist some of the superhero genre stuff around. Like, that's the stuff that I love. Like, I, I continue to love the whole, like, Captain Amazing argument. Like, he takes his glasses off. Like, <laughs> like Lance Hunt wears glasses. Like, Captain Amazing doesn't. <laughs> And then he's like, he takes them off when he, when he puts yeah. identity. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. He wouldn't be able to see. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's like the best straw man logic ever. <laughs> and he's so sincere in that. Like, that's what makes um, William H. Macy such a great actor, too, is that you buy that sincerity. Like, there is no, like, you don't feel like there's a wink to the audience kind of thing. It's, he believes that. And it's yes. so good. <laughs> um, I love in the final fight when he has his moment, too, where it's like, mm-hmm. where he's, where they're fighting, and then he brings out the trowel, because, you know, it's like the Sphinx was trying to teach him you can fight with more than just a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, at the end, it's like, the shovel's knocked out of his hand, the guy's gonna hit him, he brings up a trowel to deflect it. Oh, it's so good. Like, just even that, that cling, like the... <laughs> Uh, though I will admit that I don't think that his um, his new costume is is better. I, uh, yeah, it's just bling. Yeah, like so that's the whole thing. Like, um, did we should we like maybe go over the plot at some point? That's uh, hey, it's your show. I'm just following your lead. That's true. We just knocked into this. Like, if people don't know what the plot of Mystery Men is, a half an hour into this podcast. <laughs> So basically, in the city of Champion City, uh, it is um, uh, was it Captain Amazing is our superhero analog, our Superman analog kind of, and um, Superman and Iron Man kind of because it's more of a suit. Type yeah, power. that is true. Um, but he's also got shades of Bruce Wayne in there, so he's kind of an amalgamation of three different superheroes. Uh, so he has found that through much corporate sponsorship and uh, just generally cleaning up the city, that he has no one to fight anymore (laughs) and basically uh, allows for the release of his, you know, most feared enemy, Casanova Frankenstein, then gets captured. And we find that the, it's up to the uh, blue collar heroes, the AKA the mystery men to save him perhaps. (laughs) And then it and the city. And yes, it becomes a, a race against time to save Captain Amazing, who they then kill and then have to stop Casanova Frankenstein themselves. (laughs) So, it's it's mostly a, a, a the typical underdog 
story mostly <laughs> so, with a random death in the middle. <laughs> well, I kind of like the idea of Captain Amazing that I kind of get the impression that at one time he was genuine. Mm-hmm. And it's just because of his success and getting all these, uh, you know, sponsorships and whatnot that he's become this really slimy guy who's just out for number one. I love the sort of symbolism of when he's talking to his publicist mm-hmm. and he's like, you don't know, like, how it makes me feel in here. And he starts clanking his chest and it makes this hollow metallic sound. <laughs> you know, when he's talking about that these companies would, you know, choose me to be their spokesperson. He hits his chest. And so I, I kind of like that because it's sort of saying, like, he's become this sort of, like, hollow guy, you know, through all of this. And, and, and um, it's a really great, like, just even the commentary on uh, corporate sponsorship and everything because yes. he's kind of like a NASCAR driver. Um, and I mean, it's all over his costume. Exactly. Corporate logos. Is there like a, I want to say there's a Pennzoil one somewhere. Yeah, there was like, it was like a Pennzoil, like, like a Rayovac, uh, mm-hmm. Pepsi, although it's written in Japanese, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's actually almost like a really good prequel, like short in that in that movie, we were like, I almost want to see how Captain Amazing got to where he is. Yeah, but I well, feel like that would. Talk, he has this publicist about all his different villains. Just the names he throws out, like Armagesmo, <laughs> uh, Baron von Chaos, Baron you know, all Chaos. these different names, and it's like, you know, Death Man is dead. You know, and it's like, <laughs> Armageddon's doing 50 years. You know, it's all this kind of stuff that they're throwing out there. And it's like just this, just the, just the idea of him having fought these guys with these outlandish names and what happened to them and everything. It's just, it summons up so much in your imagination just from a few lines. Exactly. I mean, and that's, that's the beauty of it. It's almost like I kind of want there to be an origin, but I almost don't because the movie that I could concoct in my head is probably just 10 times better. Yeah. It's like where where what happened to Death Man? Oh man, it's like it's like well you know it's in the name, uh, but uh, but yeah like uh, I'm trying to think I had something then I lost it for a second. Do you have other thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to talk about the Sphinx for a second. Yeah. <laughs> because the Sphinx is a character that's, you know, set up as being terribly mysterious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, they don't even know what he can do. Like, one of them throws out, like, he can, he can you know, uh, cause guns to split apart with his mind. <laughs> and they're like, I never heard that. But then, he, of course, his introduction is, well, the disco boys are going to shoot them, and all their guns just, like, split apart. Mm-hmm. The power he never uses throughout the rest of the movie, even though it would be helpful. Yeah, you'd think. Like, the guy's just, he's, he's basically like a, a walking talk affirmation poster. Right, I know, because everything is like, if, if you do not master your rage... Your, your rage, rage will master you. Become, yeah, your rage will become your master. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? Hmm? Yeah, like, no, I love that. Just the, no, Ben Stiller's the only guy, and, and this is why I like Mr. Furious. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that gets it. It's just like the same thing with like the, the, the Captain Amazing thing. Uh-huh. He's the only one who can see all the things that the audience is thinking. <laughs> And it's like, he's so frustrated with the Sphinx, because everyone else thinks, oh, he's so deep. Yeah. Like just saying these, these sayings that are just, you know, twisting the, something backwards on itself. Yeah, it's like a reverse Yoda. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, uh, and he's getting so frustrated through it, and that, that's hilarious. But yeah, I, but I just like the whole mindset of this guy who isn't really 
much of anything other than if he can really split guns apart with his mind. Yeah. He, he just kind of walks around acting all important and just making these backward sayings and everyone like thinks he's just so great. <laughs> but the best scene is when they're telling him that like Captain Amazing's dead. He's like, sometimes the, the greatest hero is the one who knows to run away. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the most cowardly. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and, and I, because the whole, the whole bit where, he, I mean, when uh, Mr. Furious, like, really throws it back at him, finally, uh, when they're making their costumes, and it's just this, like, this little knitting circle, and the blue Raja's on a loom. <laughs> Does anyone have a thimble? You know, that's, that's what starts the whole conversation. Who was asking for the pinking shears? The pinking shears? <laughs> like, I was me, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it is nice in a way to show them, though, actually having to make their costumes. Yeah. Because, you know, with a lot of superheroes, it's just like, where did you get your costume, you know? Yeah. I mean, even with Batman, he's got the money for it, but it's like, hey, wouldn't, I mean, I know Batman Begins answers this, but without, mm-hmm. you know, most movies, it's like Batman just has his costume. It's like, did you make that yourself? Or did you let someone in on your secret? I mean, how do you get that? And yeah. he's like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Spider-Man. You're like, you're supposed to be a teenager. How the hell did you get this mesh fabric? <laughs> Like, how did that happen? <laughs> At least with Superman as well, it's kind of like, well, his mother made it out of the stuff from the pod or whatever. But, so, but yeah, no, it is it is kind of fun to watch them doing that, if only because it's it's also supposed to be kind of the most emasculating scene. <laughs> I know! <laughs> Especially for Mr. Furious, who's supposed to be, like, I guess if you want to say the most uber-masculine of them. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go that far, which you really shouldn't, but... <laughs> the sad thing is, I really get where Roy is coming from a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously is going way too over the top with it. But this whole idea of, you know, like, getting, you know, frustrated by, you know, other people who can't see what he thinks is obvious, and, you know, um, you know, just, just trying to sort of, like be recognized and everyone overlooked you know even the girl uh-huh. you know like is constantly like just kind of, of course he does it in the worst way too like he's got a bloody nose <laughs> and he goes up to her and he's trying to pick her up you know? oh my god like, just, just their whole back and forth because i mean he's and i, I let's talk about mr furious for a, for a little bit here because his whole thing is that he's supposed to he's he's basically telling people that he's getting angrier <laughs> it's like this countdown, and it doesn't really go anywhere because when he's angry, it's just like he, like when they attack uh, Casanova's car. Like he's, he's trying to pull the hood. He's just trying to pull the hood. He's trying to pull it off. He can't even do that. Yeah, it's like his 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 rage and his fury don't really amount to all that much up until the very end when he actually gets like really, really angry because Casanova's about to like basically kill this this girl who he's barely who he barely knows anyway um but then like it finally comes to fruition but throughout the rest of the movie you're just kind of left to think like maybe roy shouldn't be a hero how do you feel about them uh, actually making the music video canon because I always thought that that was hilarious, you know. The, oh yeah. Because you know, like they talk about him moving the city bus, which is in the music video. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was just so awesome that they actually referenced the music video, which has the characters in it. You know. That, <laughs> oh, I forgot that All Star was connected to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! If people don't remember, like Smash Mouth's like big, big hit. Uh, All Star was the the music video for this movie. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Oh my god, Nathan. I completely like forgot that. I think I even remember watching like the MTV behind the scenes of this music video. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. There's that's how good my memory is now. Yeah. But no, that's uh that's actually good uh that's actually a really good point that they did make a cameo. It's kind of neat because, I mean, these days we've got lots of multimedia franchises. You know, Heroes was one that made a big deal of, like, we got comics that tie into the show mm-hmm. and whatnot. And you get a lot of that where there's, like, various media with which that you can, you know, view a, a series mm-hmm. that are all connected. And, and this, it was kind of neat. I mean, this is almost the beginning of that with the music video, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's not it's not important at all. You don't have to have seen the all-star music video to watch the movie, but it just adds a nice little, you know, cherry on top of the movie if you have seen it. So yeah, exactly. I mean, cool. and I think that a lot, like, there are a lot of movies who will, that will do that too. Like, they're like, we're going to reward the people who watch this one thing. Um, even if it's so inconsequential or something like that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like, hey, good on you if you got that reference. <laughs> you can talk about it with your reference. friends. <laughs> exactly. I think I'll just link the video into the um, the article when I put this out, just because it's like, hey, guys, remember when Smash Mouth was a thing? <laughs> well, this song was every- All-Star was everywhere. Oh, my God, yeah. It was like the earworm that really would It's kind of like the Taylor Swift song. <laughs> It just doesn't go away. Yeah. So infectiously poppy and ah. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. Who should we talk about next? Um, let's see, Blue Raja, Bowler. Is there a hero that we haven't covered? Um, so we talked about well, Tony. Well, I, I, I do, I do want to just talk a little bit more about Blue Raja okay. and just talk about. I, I, I think it's, I think it's just so like cute that he's like a guy living at home with his mom even though he's obviously in his 30s his his mother has the best line though like when he's stealing the rest of her silverware (laughs) and she shows him like the good silver and she's like i was gonna give this to you as a wedding present (laughs) looks like that's not gonna happen (laughs) it's just like oh it's so sad but it's like hilarious I, I love that he actually practices his puns in his room. Oh and he's like, red eyes, red eyes, red eyes. Wasn't expecting to see you again, so spoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, just all the forks. And then I love that when uh, Roy and Eddie are criticizing him for not using knives. It's like, right. I'm not knifey boy. I'm not stab man. I'm Raja. <laughs> and he gets so petulant, too, about it. He's such a child. He's such a man child. <laughs> And when there's the huge barrier at Casanova's house, he's like, I knew I should have brought my large pie server. Oh my <laughs> like, that would make a difference if it's a sports field and I'll throw a pie server at it. You don't know. It could have helped. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, the dude that makes the weapons. We haven't talked about him. Eller. Oh, yeah, that's, um, oh, what's his name? Tom Waits. Yes. Oh, <laughs> which is such a... He's at the old folks' home for the ladies. <laughs> Which is weird in itself because he's nowhere near as old as they. He's, he's an older guy, but he's mm-hmm. not in that category. And then, like, they go to his like secret lair, and he's like making that weird sound effect that you know you hear in a lot of movies that are or, or TV shows that where like things are going insane or whatever. It's that sort of like almost glass, like somebody rubbing their finger on a uh, wet finger on glass. Yeah, yeah. Sound effect, that, you know, I can't do it, but. <laughs> you know, it's like he's making 
that sound with like some stuff he's got. It's mm-hmm. just, no, all uh, his weapons are non-lethal. Of course. I mean, we wouldn't want to kill anybody, would we? <laughs> <laughs> so they got the, the can tornado, yes. the, uh, the uh, blame thrower. Blame thrower. And, and the shrinker, which you think from the title, oh, that's kind of a neat idea. It just shrinks clothing. <laughs> it's based on dry cleaning technology. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> it all makes perfect sense in context. <laughs> But I just love the, it it almost seems like random casting of Tom Waits, who is just this, like, I mean, really, I mean, if people don't know who Tom Waits is, he's, he's a musician, first and foremost, and he just seems to randomly show up in certain movies. Like, um, I think the last thing I saw him in was the, um, Mr. No. Oh God, what is it? It's the Terry Gilliam movie, the last, um, the last Heath Ledger movie that he was in. Uh, I wanted to say Mr. Megorium, but like, no, that's Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> like, this is wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, oh, Dr. Parnassus. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, So the Dr. Parnassus movie where he's he's playing the devil. And if you don't know what Tom Waits sounds like, it's it's pretty spot on. Like, he's kind of the guy you would imagine playing the devil. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, you know? Uh, but yeah, it, it just seems like so random, and yet it seems so perfect at the same time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, so we're, we're kind of like, we're about 45 in, um, I, I'm actually kind of curious, like, what do you think, like, do you think that Mystery Men would have actually done, uh, do you think that it's a movie that we could make now or is worth remaking at some point? Well, I, I hate remakes as a general rule. Okay. But I think revisiting this style, this universe. Mm-hmm would definitely be worth it. Um, and I think, I think especially, I mean, everyone's talking about the death of superhero movies. I don't think it's anywhere near. I mean, I mean, you look at how long Westerns lasted mm-hmm. as a huge genre. It'll happen someday, but even then, it'll never go away completely. No. So I think now, when, when superhero movies are so big, is the time to do not a spoof. Because mm-hmm. that's the problem. I mean, so many, you know, the people who make those not another teen movies or oh, whatever. God, or those, yeah. yeah. You know, that they do these, like, really, like, off-the-wall spoofs of the genres. But something that sort of celebrates the genre but is just kind of offbeat, mm-hmm. like this, I think that's got some real potential to strike with the people who are watching these DC and Marvel movies. I know I would watch it, and I bet a lot of other people would, too. No, I definitely would. I mean, uh, it almost it almost feels like Mystery Men was too early. Like uh-huh. it should have like if they just waited a little longer, <laughs> it, it would have been like the perfect timing for them. So yeah, I totally agree. Like uh, something that kind of revisits or explores a, you know some similarities within this universe. Like if Ben Stiller got the because I, I don't know how it works. Like I know it's based on a comic, like a comic strip or something like that. It's it's flaming carrot comics or something like that, flaming which I know not. It's, it's very like off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one of the major publishers at all. I, I I don't know who publishes Flaming Carrot, but anyway, Mystery Men. I don't think ever really even had their own comic from what I read. Okay. It was just they were supporting characters in Flaming Carrot. Well, and, how do we get yeah. Flaming Carrot into the movie? <laughs> I don't. Know. That that just makes me think that Carrot Top is just on fire the whole time. <laughs> I got the DVD years ago. There was an extra 
that was like the history of the mystery man mm. and i read that it was just a text extra it wasn't even like a video okay. and um so i'm half remembering what i read there so i'm not even well then uh, we just can't trust you at all nathan right exactly it's just, uh, it's like if someone tries to take your word for it and they're like he lied to me why <laughs> Persons and events depicted in my uh, spiel uh, may or may not bear any resemblance to actual people. <laughs> Too late in the, in the game for you to do a disclaimer now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it would be really cool. Like maybe if like Ben Stiller got a hold of the rights to it and did something within that universe. Like maybe even just bring the characters back and like tell another story or something. Um, it w- I, I, I agree completely. And I mean, the funny thing is, a lot of these people. I mean, they're still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, they're still around. It's it's not like anyone's too old to actually you know come back and act. I, I will say one thing: we kind of just displayed and didn't talk about it much. It's the fact that it's Pee Wee Herman. Oh yeah, that too. You know, is is kind of hilarious to me. And, uh, <laughs> from what I understand, he's going to make a, a, a reappearance on Gotham as Penguin's father. That's um, what I heard. <laughs> Preprising his his brief cameo from Batman Returns. Well, so. if you know, if you're gonna get. Pee-wee Herman, you might as well <laughs> If I was still watching Gotham at this point, that might matter. I mean, it really wouldn't. <laughs> it's just like this sense of res- resignation when it comes to Gotham, where it's just like, God, could you guys just get to the point where everyone hates you now? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the only reason I brought it up was that he's still acting. I mean, yes, uh, he's, still... He's, still, he's still around. So. Well, I think they also said something about a possible new uh, Pee-wee Herman movie. Oh. Like, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. Okay, I could be wrong. I might be just pulling <laughs> stuff out of the air right now, but yeah. No, you could very well have read something. I, I don't really follow Pee Wee Herman news, so. Neither do I. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I gotta it's get my Pee Wee. my childhood that is just, uh, you know, just seeing him on a movie and playing something. De- you know, because that's the thing. It was like he was everywhere when I was a child, but always as Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see him in a movie where he's doing something else. Yeah, I mean, he's still, like, yeah, it's still, it's Paul Rubin. Uh, playing a different person who isn't Pee-wee and still doing a different voice, but it's not Pee-wee's voice and it's not his regular voice either. So at, at the very least, you can say he's got some range. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Play, playing an adolescent who uh, never got out of adolescence is not... <laughs> Guess not. And his his voice always reminded me of Jim Carrey on In Living Color when he would do uh, Sergeant Stacy Kunch, you know? <laughs> Just doing that. So, uh-huh. uh, speech impediments are always hard for me in movies sometimes because when it's when it's that pronounced, where you're like, I know what you guys are doing, but Jesus Christ, stop it! Right. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about a movie that you really love, like at times because it's just like, okay, well, now what do we talk about? Now what's better? <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of name-checked Casanova Frankenstein, but we oh. didn't talk about him too much. No, that's true. Okay, so Jeffrey Rush is Casanova Frankenstein, which, again, best name ever for a villain. Right. <laughs> and uh, so he's just like your typical mad scientist, kind of German-esque, I want to say. Was it German? Yeah, oh yeah, he's definitely German-esque. Okay. Because he even says, like, Gott im Himmel. There we you go. Know, he's, he's got some Germanisms that he throws out there. So. <laughs> Germanisms. Uh, so yeah, he's, I mean, he's got like the, I've got the thing that's going to destroy the city and you've got to stop me. Blah. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, Jeffrey Rush is just, he's just awesome. Like just 
All the, um, I love all the accoutrement he comes with. Like, all the rings and stuff on him. Like, um, when Captain Amazing enters his, his fortress castle and he's like, and take off the supersonic, uh, you know, whatever thing on your ring. <laughs> like, his boots had something. Yeah. Had something his ring. There was something in the drinkster. I love that there in was... the drinkster. <laughs> Like, you just kept telling him to... It's kind of like that, that scene in every movie where they disarm the, the good guys. And they've got, like, weapon upon weapon on them. And you're just like, how the hell do they have all that? I, um... I really like that because, again, it's one of those um, world-building things. It's like, we only have a two-hour movie. How do we show that these guys have a long history? And it's like, well, Captain Amazing already knows... Mm-hmm. All this stuff, you know, that Casanova Frankenstein has. And Casanova Frankenstein knew that he knew. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he didn't know that he knew that he knew. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I like that scene. But yeah, the whole Casanova Frankenstein personality, this whole, like, I mean, you're saying it's kind of typical mad scientist, but he's not like the sort of <laughs> kind of mad scientist. True. I think of. He's like this. You know, Captain Amazing talks at one point with his publicist about, like, how he's got, like, these eyes, and he does, like, this sort of, like, unblinking, like, stare thing. Kind of actually looks almost like something Christopher Lloyd would do. But, um, but it's just, like, this whole, like, sort of intensity. It's sort of, it's almost more like a, like a Lord Byron kind of thing. It's very intense, sort yeah, of. Yeah, he's very unsettling. Know. Right, yeah, it's sort of this manic energy, restraint, bar- only barely restrained kind of thing that he he's very threatening and how he uh, uh um what's the word uh, his 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 posture his mm-hmm. um his presence is very threatening even though he doesn't really do a whole lot in the way of out and out violence yeah he, i mean he's he's mostly just keeping lance there like we i mean do we know if he actually would have tried to kill him i don't know <laughs> Well, he was saying at midnight he was going to kill Captain. Like when the machine turned on, mm-hmm. it was going because you know, he was below it. Yeah. It was going to kill him. So I think that was uh, the plan. I, I really like also how they had him as he doesn't miss a beat when they go downstairs and, and uh, Captain Amazing is already dead. He's like he, you, you see in just a moment of his look, mm-hmm. you know that he recognizes that something went wrong, but he covers it for all the people behind him. It's like, see, I've taken Captain Amazing out of the picture. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like great recovery time, guy. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of those really great, uh, you know, sort of villains to me is that he is, he's really smart. He's, he's planned everything ahead and it's just, he's just so creepy and, well, and weird and, and, and but at the same time so threatening and I just really love that performance. Well and even like the the, the battle that he has with Mr. Furious with the um the pinky right. nail. <laughs> so kind of random and yet you're almost believing it you're like yeah dude's got a like a pointy ass finger there he's gonna it's like a knife like this pinky fingernail is like a knife like then he's gonna snort some cocaine off of it later (laughs) and the idea that he made his psychiatrist like insane like instead of her carrying him he made her insane oh yeah (laughs) that was kind of funny they don't do much with her but i just sort of like that idea i mean it's it's shades of Joker and Harley Quinn. But, oh, definitely. Uh, it was, it was uh, I thought that was a nice touch. Well, and his, like, it's, it's almost like you want to find out, like, how he and uh, Tony P, uh, like, even, like, how does that work? Like, you have the, 
<laughs> you have the German, like, uh, inventor, you know, evil guy meets up with these disco people. <laughs> I know, he has a disco room in his house. <laughs> I know. I just love that shot where Eddie Izzard is standing in the floor. He's barely doing any kind of disco moves. He's It's just the typical, like, uh, Saturday Night Fever move. <laughs> and then the disco ball, and then just Casanova strolls in. He's like, ah, the disco room. <laughs> Well, that whole interchange between them is hilarious, too, because he's like, it must have been hard for you, Tony, the way that times and styles have changed. <laughs> the people are saying, disco is dead. And Tony's like, disco is not dead. Disco is life. <laughs> it's the intensity about disco and talking about it like it's this huge thing. Like, the people are saying that disco is dead. Yeah, like it's just been news to him. Like, he just <laughs> discovered this. <laughs> That, see, again, that's more of the stuff that I love is that the villains have, like, their own stories. <laughs> like, the whole, um, just even the, the idea that Captain Amazing frees Casanova and then immediately goes to his place, like, like the night of. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I almost want to, I, I, I would almost ask, like, what did you think was going to happen, guy? I mean... It, it, it's almost, like, worth seeing, like, how that would have played out, like, if they had stuck to the script, I guess. It's like, well, you're just gonna go over there and arrest him again, and then do this back and forth and back and forth. Right. <laughs> so... Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's such a douche that he'd let Casanova Frankenstein out, knowing full well he's not any better, and he's gonna kill people, you know? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's just so uh, confident that, like, oh, no, this is just our thing that we do. Like, we'll just do this back and forth, and I'll still win, and he'll lose. It's like, dude, no, that's not how that works. And when, and when Captain Amazing's captured, he's like, we let Captain Amazing go. <laughs> I say that you're cured. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So we can dance this dance again. He's like, is it a perfect plan? No. <laughs> That's what I like about it. <laughs> See, I think that, like, again, Greg Kinnear is so good. Like, he just has the best reactions like that. Like, is it a good plan? I no. <laughs> But even, like, his, um, when they're doing the I know, I, the you know bit, like, him trying to figure out where in the sequence of no's he is. <laughs> it's just, and Jeffrey Rush is just like, well, of course you know that I know that you know. He's just like, wait, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like, how did you capture him in the first place? I mean, really? <laughs> like, let's think about this. <laughs> that he's not really all that bright. Yeah, he really isn't. Which would have made for, I think, again, going back to the they shouldn't have killed Captain Amazing, like, it would have made for, I think, a really good resolution at the end. Like, with him just still not being quite there, but he's also just slightly smarter, maybe, than a couple of the mystery men. <laughs> like, I, I, now that now that we you know have kind of like plotted out how the how the last uh, bit would go, like I really want to see a scene of William H Macy trying to figure it out. <laughs> that would be like the icing on the cake. Where he's like, no, <laughs> like, just his like sincerity of like he still doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will. But- we're talking about sort of the ending and the resolutions and everything what could have been i, I just really like um janine garofalo when she she finally you know when the when the boulder finally gets the guy that killed her father mm-hmm. um which is another funny line like uh you know the police said that he came home one day and fell down an elevator shaft bunch of some bullets <laughs> <laughs> and the blue rush is like i suspect 
foul play. <laughs> She's like, as did I. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when she when she when she gets Tony P and uh, and the bauble all comes back into the bag, she's like, "All right, now I'm going to grad school." That was the deal. <laughs> and this sort of whole idea of like she's like this college student, you know, that's yeah. just having to like live this life of vengeance, and all she wants to do is get back. And the whole back and forth with her dead father that she talks to is all like the kind of stuff of like you know it's an old conservative dad or whatever. And she, <laughs> trying to you know talk to him uh, you know about stuff that she's you know doing and, and what her interests are and stuff i just i love all of that yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it yeah it just keeps going back to the whole like there are stories here about these characters that they really managed to like get off in in a really short amount of time <laughs> This is like, and just, yeah, even that grad school information at the end, you're just like, what the hell? It's just such a random line, and yet it fits, because just the way she talks to the bowling ball is so like, for God's sake, Dad, just leave me alone for fun. You get the sense that maybe he's talking to her all the time. Well, yeah, when she's at the bar and she's drinking, she, like, looks at it like it just said something, like, shocking, and then she goes back and she looks at it again. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these characters could probably even sustain their own movie. I mean, I think she could. Yeah, she definitely could. If I mean, if you got the uh, especially like the right supporting cast around her, right? Um, because because yeah, I don't think any of these movies could sustain like them just as the only lead. Because um, that's what makes this movie so great is that it's a it's an awesome ensemble of of different characters and they work well off of each other and, and it helps that I think. Because especially with Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo, they've worked together before. Um, and, I mean, they're all pretty much, like, you know, really good consummate performers and comedians and everything. Uh, it always surprises me with William H. Macy. Like, just how good of a comedic performance he can put in. He's a very good straight man. He really is. Like, I love that egg salad bit. Like, <laughs> oh, that is one of the most inspirational when a mutual friend of ours was having a, a hard time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I posted that video <laughs> as one of the most inspirational, like, videos that I could think of to post. It's, I mean, when you really think about it, it's like, that's a pretty good pep talk, actually. <laughs> right. It's like, are, are we, we going to do this, or am I going to eat this egg salad? <laughs> And just even, like, the um, the focus on the egg salad, like, in the shot, too. <laughs> You're just like, am I going to eat this egg salad? <laughs> My daughter was like, I would eat the sandwich. Well, your daughter's practical. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's like most people wouldn't go into a firefight with a uh, crazed German scientist guy. <laughs> right. Although they did have the finest non-lethal military vehicle ever made. That is also true. I do love when they're like, let's go get him! And it's like, it just kind of lurches forward, like, oh, it's the wrong gear. Oh, and what's the name of that lady? She was in Throw Mama from the Train. And she oh. plays uh, Ben Stiller's boss. Oh, she junkyard. always, like, weirds me out. Like, just... Yeah, uh, uh, she's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, every time she appears in a movie, they always do this, like, weird camera angle on her. Like, she is so unsettling just as a person to me. Well, it's like, the woman looks like 
she's like 110. I know, but right? But she's like one of the most intimidating characters in movies. Yeah, you're like, I ain't going up against that. I know. It's like, so Ben Stiller takes one of those like stress balls. He's <laughs> like, I'm so angry. And he just like squeezes it a whole bunch of times. It's like, that thing just saved your life. Oh my like, God. It's so sad how ineffective he is in the <laughs> so true. It's like Ben Stiller just loves playing the ineffectual hero. <laughs> <laughs> she just laughs at him. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, just the because that was one of the things too. Like just to, I mean, I don't know if you noticed this in terms of like the camera angles. Like there's a lot of like weird close-ups. Like I don't know if you saw this, but when I was rewatching it, I was just like, okay, they're they're kind of like almost Dutch angle close-ups on these people. <laughs> like it's very unsettling, and I don't know if that's just what they were going for if that was the only camera move they had on them. <laughs> yeah, that was, now that you're saying it, I mean, because I just actually watched it last night. Mm. Um, I, 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 I get what, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about, I usually don't think about camera angles and things like that when I'm watching a movie, but mm-hmm. uh, that is, and that is, that is true. I, yeah, they did a lot of those. Yeah, um, I don't know. The thing they did is like the weird, like, like two or three times, I think maybe twice, where they do, like, the thing where they're all around in a circle and they say something, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, they have, like, some sort of weird, like, set thing that they say before they go off and do something. So, like, there's one that's, like, gazai gazoo, you know, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and the camera's pointing up. It's in the floor, pointing up at them, standing over, like, bent over in a circle. Yeah. It's a weird... <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know. It's like I, I know that the director's like European or something like that. So maybe it was like a. It was a style. Oh, we're being art. We're being artsy. It's like this is an artsy movie. You don't understand. It's like why are you talking like that? Like shut up. <laughs> Sundance movie festival. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna submit this to Sundance. <laughs> um, but we're Nathan. We are at an hour of talking about mystery men. We made it! We did it! Um, so before we wrap this up, is there anything uh, you feel like we've left out or we haven't talked about that you want to dive into first? Uh, I think we've covered Mystery Men pretty well. Yeah! I feel like this might be more than anyone has ever really talked about Mystery Men. <laughs> <laughs> it is a movie that I have, I have loved ever since it came out. I've, I can't count how many times I've watched it. Okay. There we go. <laughs> no, it's a it's a really fun movie to just kind of pop in every once in a while and just be like, hey, remember when, you know, movies were like this, guys? <laughs> and, and it's just a really good, like, it's just another one of those really great Ben Stiller type movies. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, so this is gonna go out probably the day after Thanksgiving, but, um, do you have anything coming up? Any podcasts that you're doing uh, that people should know about? Um, uh, no, not uh, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I edit nothing. I don't care. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, um, I don't have anything that I'm doing specifically. Um, I do co-produce Sean Castic, and we will be having uh, weekly uh, episodes uh, coming out. Um, but uh, doing uh, news of the week, uh, we also have a flashcards coming out soon. Uh, that'll be sometime in early December, which will cover uh, the identity crisis storyline of uh, DC Comics. Um, <laughs> but uh, me personally, I am going to be at Chicago Tardis on Friday. So if anyone's listening in the Chicago 
Chicago area and wants to come by and see me, I'm doing three panels at Chicago TARDIS. So um, I'll be there, and uh, and so just look me up in the program uh, book, and uh, you'll see me. So that Yay. should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, myself, I, I don't, I'm trying to think, do I have anything really coming up? No, not really. I know I'm eventually going to be on Sean Castic for the 90s movies, I believe. I haven't greenlit you yet. Damn. Okay, yes. then I may potentially, possibly, probably, I don't know. Wait, um, wait, it's nudge. You're going to be <laughs> I can't officially say that until we've scheduled the episode. I see. I just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'll make it around your schedule. Yay. <laughs> so wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Stay no more. Um, I will eventually be on Sean Castic. It's been a while, so uh, I've missed you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're always great to have on, so... Uh, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about anything for the right <laughs> price. <laughs> well, you know you're going to have to do hair talk. Oh my god, yeah. It's just like, let's get ready to talk about Sam's curls for longer than she's probably comfortable with. <laughs> 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 it's like, how are those curls, Sam? Still there. <laughs> Um, big impression on Sean, apparently. I, you know what? You, you do what you do. That's why the, the podcast is all called That Girl with the Curls. So. Right. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's a brand name now. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in the future, I know that there are going to be podcasts and, uh, well, shoot, articles and, and whatnot later on. But uh, you all know that. You'll keep up with it. But uh, you can find me at Darlene underscore Sammy, uh, maniacalgeek.com, as well as on Facebook. Uh, Nathan, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as underscore blogger underscore who. You can find my blog at blogger underscore who dot livejournal dot com, and I occasionally write articles for the ESO network, Earth Station One network at esopodcast dot com. Yay! And uh, once again, Nathan, thank you for joining me on talking about Mister and Men. And uh, as always, good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>